This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Invisible Asia podcast, a series in which The Straits Times casts the spotlight on Little C or talks about segments of society across the region. I'm your narrator, Janine Tan. Philippines Young and Abused Childhood, for Eric Reyes, was a cursed period in his life. Few of his earliest memories were pleasant. Rather, they were marked by fear, guilt, confusion, rejection, and anger. Eric's father was a seaman who would be home for only two to three months a year. You'd have thought the kids would have been over the moon to have him home. But no, they dreaded his presence. It never took much for the old man to be provoked. A little too much noise from the four children at playtime, a petty tiff among the siblings, or just a little rough housing, any of that could earn them a hard whipping. Eric says, Whatever material he would see in front of him, I like a wooden stick, he would grab it and just yeah, hit them on me or on some of us with my siblings. His belt, his belt that has a, uh, a sailor a sailor anchor design, he would hit that on us. Up to the point that I would shiver because of pain. Eric's mother wasn't spared either. One night, we woke up seeing my mother on the ground while being kicked by my father. And then we tried to cover mother. So at that time, while covering mother, I would feel I was, we were the one being beaten up by my father. So at that time, we, we realized we really need to move out. This is hell. This is already hell. We had. I grew up hating my father very much. So much so that when he would leave for abroad, you know, I would feel glad about it because uh, no tyrant would be around. Those weren't Eric's only encounters with violence and abuse as a child. He has one particularly stark memory of a time when he was five, when one day his neighbor, a boy, five or six years older, invited him to his house. With the two of them left alone, the neighbor had previously exposed himself to Eric and touched himself all over as a curious, bewildered Eric watched on. This time, that particular day, the boy pulled down his pants and instructed young Eric to perform a sexual act on him. Diffident, he did as he was told. Not knowing any better, young Eric thought that act had cemented an intimate friendship between him and the older boy, whom he looked up to. He was so wrong. Days later, when Eric saw his neighbor again, the boy spat on him with a vehemence he can never forget. I remember longing for touch, just to be caressed, just to be embraced. I felt I was willing to give myself entirely to him. I, I remember lying down. So okay, ready na ako. You can do whatever you want me to do. Then he passed by and the only thing he did was to spit on me. 
So that was my first great experience of rejection. For years afterwards, Eric would replay that scene in his head over and over again, that fateful day when he did as he was told, and that look of repulsion and pure loathing from the boy when they met again days later. Eric didn't know it then, but that encounter was a sexual awakening for him, years before it should have happened. He was left grappling with his urges, his sexual identity, and had not a soul to turn to. At the age of 12, he decided that only a life of constant prayer and ultimate devotion to God could exercise from his mind the memory of that encounter and the demons of desire it had awoken in him. He decided to enroll in a seminary to study to become a priest, but he did not find relief there. He says, I knew I was growing up differently from my peers. While they had their eyes fixed on girls, I would be attracted towards them. I tried hard to suppress them. I thought I would be able to escape from it. Yeah. I thought when I would be in the seminary, things would be better. I would no longer feel the way I, I did. And the past would not haunt me. But the, all the more I repressed and suppressed it, all the more things grew inside. I only realized now that well, one of the reasons why I entered high school seminary was I wanted to escape well, a lot of things. To escape the unpleasant situation at home with my family. I, I wanted to escape probably the childhood past, whatever not-so-nice things that happened to me when I was a child. So I thought I would be able to escape all those when I, when I entered the seminary. But it was in the seminary that I realized I had a lot of mental problems. Uh, during my second year, I had to see a psychotherapist. I was allowed to leave the seminary to, uh, to consult with a psychotherapist because I was having panic attacks, I was having anxiety, I was depressed. I, I don't know why I was feeling all those. Eventually, Eric dropped out of the seminary. It was soon afterwards that he gave in to his secret desires, ever bubbling just beneath the surface of his consciousness. I was sexaholic because I was addicted to the thought of uh, having sex with my peers. I went to experience the gay bar scene. I came to realize that I was addicted sexually, that I needed to deal with such addiction. You're listening to the Invisible Asia podcast series. Do follow all nine episodes of Invisible Asia over the next few weeks on the Straits Times podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our Invisible Asia series. Eric's story is not that uncommon among children in the Philippines early experience with sexual abuse and domestic violence, which in turn brings on years, sometimes decades, of pain, struggling with one's sexual identity, and indulging in risky, self-destructive behavior. It's a systemic problem that plagues the country, where more than one-third of its 109 million population 
is younger than 14 years old. The Philippines is believed to have one of the world's highest proportions of child abuse. The 2018 National Baseline Study on Violence Against Children has found that one in every four children in the Philippines encounters some form of sexual abuse at a young age. It is often accompanied by domestic violence as well. Boys, more often than girls, according to the report. Civil rights advocates said that often the young victims aren't even sure that they have been victimized and are sometimes left wondering if they had not been willing participants themselves. Executive Director of the Center for Prevention and Treatment of Child Sexual Abuse, Professor Zanaida Rosales, says, Definitely, it is also one of the reasons that we believe that boys are not able to disclose or report abuse. In the first place, they were not able to recognize that what happened to them is abuse because our notion that boys will be boys, that sexual, those sexual abuse are considered by them as normal sexual activities. Professor Rosales says sometimes when children do bring up their experience with abuse with an adult, boys often face an unsympathetic older man who would brusquely brush their concerns aside or even tell them to feel lucky you're already a man. When we told their parents about the sexual abuse experience of their children, boy children, they said, oh, mom, never mind, because they are boys. Boys will be boys. They will not get pregnant. In the Philippines, the crime of rape applies only to girls and women. The worst sexual offense that can be committed against boys or men is defined merely as sexual assault. In the Philippines' penal system, It is a world of difference between rape and sexual assault. Rape is punishable by death, while sexual assault carries only a maximum jail term of 12 years. Abused children whose stories go unheard and encounters unacknowledged are gradually silenced. Eventually, they learn to let their experiences fade into the deepest recesses of their minds, only to wreak havoc in their lives in other, not always obvious ways as they grow up, as in Eric's case. Eric's child abuser, his neighbor, may well have been a victim of abuse himself. For those who encounter sexual abuse or domestic violence as a child, the journey to adulthood is often turbulent, unable to find a safe, healthy space to process their emotions and uncertainties they risk being further exploited by others. Over time, they may develop mental health issues, resorting to harming themselves or even suicide. In many cases, too, the abused grow up to be abusers themselves, perpetuating the vicious cycle of violence and abuse. In Eric's case, he was determined to have that cycle end with him. When he realized in his 30s that he had developed an unhealthy obsession and addiction to sex, spending all his savings and earnings to satiate his cravings, he decided he needed help. That set him on his path towards healing. He reached out to a small group of men who, like himself, were trying to reconcile their gender preference with their religious faith. 
Mustering all his courage, he met up with a group and opened himself to sharing his experiences and struggles with them. There, he did not feel judged or different. In fact, many of the men went through similar experiences. There, for once in his life, Eric felt safe to be vulnerable. Finally, able to speak freely of his childhood abuse brought him immense relief and release. Today, aged forty-four, Eric is an outreach officer at a Catholic university. He is openly gay, single, and adheres to the boundaries set by the Catholic Church, and is candid in sharing his childhood encounters and struggles with his students. Healing, he says, is a lifelong journey. Retelling his story gives him power over the senseless trauma that was inflicted on the helpless five-year-old boy he was in the past. It also provides a powerful means for those who hear of his tale to free themselves from the shackles of their own childhood experiences with abuse and violence. He believes that it is better for any of his students who may struggle with the same issues to come out about their sexual preference. Than to try desperately to keep it under wraps, only to let it manifest itself in other dangerous, unhealthy ways. Eric says, "I am deciding to tell or share my story because I have lost a few students to suicide because of gender issues. So we realized they had to take away their lives because their parents, their family did not accept them. I had that resentment. I had the regret that how I wished I was able to know what they were going through. I will tell them not to be afraid to speak out, to not be afraid to tell a good person that they know, to share share whatever they are going through. There are many channels today、uh, wherein they can express themselves freely, without fear of being judged, without rejection. If I would see again the five-year-old、uh, little Eric, I would come to him right away and embrace him and tell him it's okay. I am here for you. I am here for you now. You will be fine. And from where he was lying, I will carry him. Probably that's what I will tell my little Eric. That from now on, this is what we are going to do. From now on, you will be safe with me. From now on, you won't feel this kind of rejection. We will do something about it. We will face these issues. We are going to tell your story. Today, I I have freed the five-year-old little Eric. In me, so I no longer feel the victim. You've been listening to Invisible Asia. This episode is on the Philippines young and abused, and I'm your narrator, Janine Tan. Do check out the full story by Raul Danso in the Straits Times. We have a link in our podcast text description below, and don't forget to subscribe to the Straits Times podcast channel on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts. Spotify or Google Podcasts for the next episode of Invisible Asia. That was an SBH podcast by the Straits Times. 
Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.